Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman, your host on this week's show. I am joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. We're going to talk recruiting, who's on Florida's big board, with the contact period open, uh, who have they talked to, where we think they're leaning, what we think of the players on Florida's board, any question you might have about who Florida's targets are for their next recruiting class to build off the big Scotty Lewis, Trey Mann, Omar Payne, Quez Glover, Alex Klatsky group that's coming in. We hope to answer. We'll also have an update on Kerry Blackshear. So buckle up, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. In May, we sleep, so we took a break for a week. And we are back to talk recruiting. Uh, the contact period is is open, or the windows were open. And, and uh, Florida checked in on a lot of players. We're going to talk about kind of some of Florida's – like if Florida had a big board, I think we're going to touch on players that are on that big board today, a lot of them. Uh, some of them – probably a little higher on that board than others some of them more realistic than others but i will welcome eric fawcett gatorcountry.com uh in eric has not slept as he has published multiple articles including an excellent look at who florida's mvp uh of last season might be make sure you check out his work at gator country welcome hey eric. thanks for having me and uh yeah just like the uh the podcast i'm definitely going to try to keep some uh, uh keep some stuff going on uh uh, even in the off season here, and uh, in addition to recruiting, I'm definitely going to do a few more of these uh, these kind of like analytic dives in, into what happened last year. Um, kind of did did one on Andrew Nevhart. I did one just again on on who Florida's MVP would be and and some stuff like that. So yeah, I'm going to keep things going uh, the best I can on the site. So between uh, between the podcast, between uh, between Gator Country and uh, and the stuff Neil writes as well, I think you guys will uh, will be well covered. There it is, and Eric doing some NBA draft work. Uh, which um, that time is coming up. A couple interesting NBA draft notes kind of before we dive into recruiting, Eric. Um, neither Andrew Nimhard or Kerry Blackshear Jr. invited to the NBA conference. Yeah, and I do think that's super not- notable for uh, uh, people on Blackshear watch. And, I mean, if you want to take it a step further, uh, Kerry Blackshear wasn't even invited to the G League combine, which Andrew Nimhard was invited to. So, um, yeah, I, I find that pretty, uh, pretty wild, truthfully. Um, I would have expected him to get um, – you know, the, the NBA draft combine, I, I wouldn't have been um, shocked, I guess, if he was, uh, if he was invited. Like, I, I kind of thought he was in that mix. Um, for him to not be invited to the G League combine, I, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. And, I mean, there just have not been a lot of players that are um, either especially drafted or even that kind of get, like, good contracts um, as unsigned free agents. Um, that haven't been in either of those combines. So it's, it's not impossible. And, and again, I think a lot of his decision comes down to um, uh, just kind of comes down to like, hey, does he just want to go pro or not? Is he willing to go to Europe or, or go the G League road? So, so maybe this doesn't matter to him. Um, but, but it could also matter just a lot. And, and one thing that I did when I, I, when I was kind of looking at um, uh, when I was looking at who was invited to the combine, um, in terms of big men, I mean, like Charles Bassey, Bull Bull, Jackson Hayes, Killian Tilly, Daniel Gafford, Nazri, Bruno Fernando, PJ Washington, um, Luke May, Ethan Happ, Taco Fall. Like, there's a lot of big men um, that actually I do think might even be in a little bit like 
better stock in terms of what teams are looking for. Um, so that was one thing that I did know was, was at first I was a little bit shocked. I'm like, whoa, I, I really thought he'd be there. Now when I look at a lot of the front court players ahead of him, I, you know, there, there are a lot of them that I, that I do think will have more kind of NBA juice than him. So uh, that kind of shows that he would be actually pretty tough to, to get a good, uh, to get a, get a good NBA position. And uh, that means he comes back to college. And uh, that means we as Florida fans are, are very interested. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I thought, well, I actually thought we don't want to turn this into the who in, who got invited to the NBA Combine uh, podcast show, but I think um, there were some surprising names on the NBA Combine list, in, in my in my opinion. The guys like Tremont Waters, who I really didn't think would necessarily be at the NBA Combine. Uh, now that's just one name that, that our listeners are familiar with that that was invited to the Combine. Um, not terribly surprised on the Andrew Nimhart front. I don't think. Not really that surprising about Andrew Nimhart. It'll be interesting, uh, you know, if we get any insight as to what types of, of feedback Andrew continues to get. Um, that that's kind of a process that I think is uh, is going to be good for him no matter what. But uh, he will not be at the NBA Combine. Yeah, and I mean, if if some guys drop, there's a chance he earns an invite out of the G League um, Combine. But I mean, it just shows how deep this. Like, I don't even think, like, so yeah, so I'm covering the draft for, for NBA Canada, you know, Canada, and um, I, I don't actually think this is a particularly strong draft class. I would say it's significantly weaker than last year's, for example, but even in a weak draft year, it's still crazy just to look up and down the combine and see, like, how many good guards there are and how many good just players there are. And uh, for that reason, I do think Nemhart's coming back. Um, but yeah, I mean, until it's it's still done, it's done for sure. I'm not ready to uh, to, to lock that take in with 100 <laughs> percent certainty. Um, but yeah, and that's something Neil mentioned a couple podcasts ago. Uh, I do think that him going through the process this year probably suggests that he only has one more year with Florida. But um, yeah, it, c- it could be longer. I know some people see him as a three or four year player. Um, I claimed he was going to be a two year player, and, and I think this backs it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see when that time comes. As far as uh, your obligatory Kerry Blackshear Jr. update, I mean, there's not a whole lot to report beyond what we just talked about. Other than if you maybe you follow these sort of social media trends, maybe you don't, but there seems to be kind of a shift away from hey, Texas A&M is a favorite, hey, Michigan State is a favorite, hey, Kentucky is a favorite, and like it seems like kind of the winds of change, I guess, are shifting a little bit to, to kind of this recognition that Florida is in a pretty good position. Right. And uh, uh, seeing that Kentucky's get, kind of landing a couple of guys in those scholarship positions, that certainly makes it look like they're getting a little bit out of the picture. Uh, but one thing, you know what, if, if Florida, I, you know, I don't really know exactly. We'll, we'll never know exactly how, how Florida sits in this race uh, right now until, you know, maybe the end of the race. But, uh, but right now it's looking like Florida's really confident and it looks like pretty much all their players that were the plan B or plan C or plan D. Um, a lot of them are coming off the table. Um, a lot of the big men that they've looked at as grad transfers, um, they, they've already committed elsewhere. Most recently, Jace Johnson to, to Marquette. Um, people who follow me at Gator Country in my writing there um, will know that I am a really big fan of Andre Allen, a Juco product. Um, it was looking like he was going to come and visit here shortly to Gainesville. Uh, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, and it looks like he might be headed to Arizona State. And, and you know what, I, I think that while – uh, some people will look at Arizona and say he plays in Arizona right now and might say, like, oh, he would just prefer that over Florida. Um, 
I, I think he'd really like Florida, but it's looking like there might be a little bit of Florida backing off that, uh, that recruitment. And if they're backing off that recruitment, I mean, that really, like, that actually leaves no one on the board behind Kerry Blackshear in terms of who could help in the front court next season. So um, I, I do think that's a little bit of a show of confidence from, uh, from the Florida staff. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that that's uh, well said. And, and, you know, the other thing is Eric kind of just alluded to it as Kentucky accepting a reclassification player um, is kind of maybe a sign that not necessarily that they've given up on Kerry Blackshear Jr. Cause they have players involved in the NBA draft process at present that could change that. But it is a sign that if things go as expected at Kentucky, you know, they're almost, it's like they're insulating themselves against the failure as opposed to, as opposed to, you know, leaving a room open and doing what you do if you're really confident, I guess. Yeah, it's it's true. So uh, I think that that things are you know looking in Florida's favor, and that's why we uh, we continue to do the uh, the regular Kerry Blackshear update, even though there's uh, um, nothing really on the on the Kerry Blackshear movement front, other than the fact he wasn't invited to those combines. But uh, I mean, I'll also note that he's still working out for NBA teams. He was worked out for the Lakers the other day. Um, he's got some other workouts, so it's not like he's not getting in front of NBA teams. Um, there's the combine is only one part of that, and uh, though he's not a part of that, he's still going to uh, going to work out for a lot of teams, but. Um, yeah, I would say that, uh, I would say if I, you know, had to get something, him not getting invited to those combines, uh, that, that does make Florida's, uh, Florida's chances look a lot better. And the Kentucky player was Johnny, uh, Juzang, who, um, will pick Kentucky at a ceremony this afternoon. And it's leaked that he's going to pick Kentucky. Um, and he was well, a 2020 guy's going to reclassify. So, um, that's, you know, one more spot while they wait on. Uh, EJ Montgomery and Richardson, those guys. So pretty interesting stuff there. What we wanted to do is kind of talk about what Florida's board looks like um, after the first contact weekend and, you know, with the recruiting period opened up. And the way we did this, folks, is just kind of divided it up. And I know at the top, Eric wanted to ask a recruiting question to me. So We'll do that, and then I'm going to get into Jalen Suggs, who is five-star guard that, that Florida was in to see on the first day of the recruiting period. All right. So, I, I mean, one thing for me when you look at um, look at a big board is just kind of looking at, like, what do you want your class to look like? And that has a lot to do with um, how many players can you take. And as it stands right now, um, unless Florida gets a graduate transfer like Kerry Blackshear, um, they're going to have zero true seniors on the ro- – or redshirt seniors. They're going to have zero seniors on the roster next year. Um, so I'm asking you, Neil, how many, how many scholarships do you think are actually going to be open, um, for 2020? And you might have to think about that. You're going to have to probably think about that for a little bit because there's some moving parts, but yeah, just, uh, if, if no one has kind of realized (laughs) that I'll, I'll talk a little bit while Neil, uh, Neil thinks about it. But I mean, uh, yeah, so Florida has no seniors on the roster, um, going into next season. Um, the only person who would have been a senior would have been, uh, would have been Keith Stone. And, um, obviously they're going to have some red shirt juniors in, um, in Dante Bassett and, uh, uh, and Gorjak Gak. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, you could either view the scholarship they have open as maybe remaining open all the way until next year, if they don't uh, get a grad transfer or, um, or a mid season transfer or it's Kerry Blackshear. And, um, obviously that means that scholarship would be open in 2020 as well. So, um, yeah, I'm just interested in, you know, how many of those scholarships do you, uh, how many do you expect Florida taking in the 2020 class? If you had to, you know, venture a bit of a guess now which i know is a difficult question and that's oh, yes. why and that's why i asked you live and didn't uh, didn't allow you to prepare for this uh, i love it before the I podcast i'm gonna go conservative and say three um yeah. and and I, here's why 
Okay, so I'm saying three, Scotty Lewis, Andrew Nimhard, one of Gorjak Gack or Dante Bassett as a grad transfer. All right, that's, with that- that's my super conservative answer without knowing what Blackshear is going to do. Right. Without, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I would have said. Um, so I guess, I guess like four to, well, I was going to say four because I assume that either this scholarship is going to remain empty or, or Blackshear is going to take it. Right. Um, so I, I kind of count that one. And then, like you said, I mean, Scotty Lewis is going to be gone. I do think Andrew Nemhart's gone. And yeah, that was kind of my, um, you did the same thing I did. And I was going to say that, yeah, I do think one of, one of Gak or Bassett will be gone as well, just because they will have the, uh, they'll have the chance to grad transfer. And I think it might be just kind of a similar situation to, uh, to what Keith Stone did and where it's, um, you know, you're at a good floor, good program like Florida, um, but you got the chance to go anywhere with, uh, without having to sit. And when that's the opportunity, when that's a chance, I mean, I think that um, neither of those guys are going to project to be, you know, 28 minute per game starter stars. So it's a, uh, it's just a chance they go elsewhere. So um, yeah, just uh yeah, I guess we landed on the same answer there, but um, <laughs> I like uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it's just as interesting once we start looking at some of the names for the 2020 class. Um, Cause yeah, if say Florida, was only going to take two players it might say you know it might change the way you look at um what kind of players they take um if they do end up having three or four scholarships open um yeah they can take a pretty kind of kind of balanced class so um yeah i'd say we can uh, we can get going on some of these names here well i like it and let's do it because you know if we operate under the assumption of three that's a great point that eric makes about how it changes the way you might fill a class and it actually changes my perception of one of the players we're going to talk about but not the first one which is Jalen Suggs, um, who is a six-three point guard from uh, Minneapolis. Uh, I don't really think that he's a point guard, uh, so I'll start. I'll start with that. I, I really kind of is more of a combo guard. Um, so the way I did it was just kind of let's talk about what his strengths, weaknesses are, and then his his favorites, and, and then I'll you know turn it over to Eric if he had any thoughts on him. But I feel like his strengths are just an elite athlete. Um, he's got a great burst, really strong, can get in the lane and score, draw contact and traffic. Um, I thought his weaknesses, uh, you know, he can be a little volume happy, uh, likes to shoot a lot. He's not really a natural point guard or a passer. And watching video of him, I was kind of in a little concerned, although I think this is something you can coach through that I don't think he gets in great defensive positions. Like, I don't think that he has really good defensive fundamentals. I think he relies a lot on his burst and athleticism to defend. Uh, and and I think against smarter players and elite college players, that would leave him open to some blow-bys and some of the problems that less athletic players have, even when they are in good guarded positions. So, you know, yes, he can compensate for some of that with, with sterling athleticism, um, but not all the time. The other possible, and I didn't know what category to put this in, Eric, weakness, I guess, is that he's a really sensational football player. (laughs) And I don't know, that always worries me because you don't know, you know, all it takes is one big-time football program putting that bird in his ear, and then maybe he decides, you know, it's more of a football-first type thing. If we were to talk about his favorites – you know, I asked around a little bit because uh, I wanted to spend extra time on him because, you know, Florida visited him first. So it's obviously Mike White appears to really like the guy. Uh, his favorites are interesting because it's Florida, 
it's really sort of seen as a Florida, Gonzaga, Michigan, Kansas battle. And I think maybe Minnesota is there just because they're the home state school. I would give an advantage maybe to Florida and Michigan because of football. But if he decides basketball, you know, Mark Few offered him in eighth grade. Can you imagine if he went to be a dual sport dual sport player at uh, Gonzaga? I think he'd do pre- I think he'd do pretty well in that football league. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean that was just something. Um, and I mean, I say that as someone who, as Neil uh, alludes to, I don't, I don't know much about football. I love my Florida Gators football. Not next week. Um, but yeah, just, just to see. I mean, he's got Ohio State offers. He's got Georgia football offers. Michigan State. So I mean, uh, yeah, the guy's got some options. But um, I, I think that does speak to his speak to his athleticism and uh, uh, pretty interesting. Um, whenever you get into these dual sport guys, I, I, I always kind of get like a little nervous about them too. Cause it just seems so hard to like, um, like, I mean, for example, if you Google Jalen Suggs, which I did the other day, just out of curiosity, um, it's Jalen Suggs, um, Minnehaha Academy, uh, dual threat quarterback. And then you go to his page and it says Jalen Suggs is a six, three, 185 pound point guard. And then some of his offers are blended on his football recruiting page with, um, the, his basketball offers and vice versa. And, uh, uh, point being, I just think it's good that Neil took that one and, and, and asked around at some of his favorites because, uh, yeah, probably a, as tough of a guy uh, to peg as there is. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting prospect. It's obviously a guy that that the staff really likes, although um, I think if he came to Florida because we we want to talk about role like he would be a little different than most of the, the types of point guards that White's had to coach at Florida. Yeah, that's true, actually, um, especially just the way that you you obviously alluded to the fact that you um, don't see him as the most pure uh, point guard. He's not a quarterback on the floor, as, uh, you know, one could cheesily <laughs> joke. Um, so, yeah, that would that would be pretty interesting. But, I mean, um, a guy of that athleticism, I also think points to the fact that Florida is definitely making more of a um, more of an effort at getting athletes in the program. Um, yep. Florida has not been an athletic team these last two years. Not at all, really. I, I mean, like, looking at – um, like there's not many games Florida played that it seemed like they were the more athletic team in the past two seasons, I would say. And I mean, especially looking at their um, looking at the SEC or looking at any of their power five competition, um, Florida was out athlete in a lot of matchups. And I don't think that, uh, you know, I, it seems like the staff is pretty tired of that and um, for good reason, I think. So um, it's interesting to see, like maybe, I mean, I think a lot of teams would take sucks no matter what, but I, I do think it looks a little bit like Florida would be able to, or Mike White would make some concessions when it comes to kind of the pure point guard passer that they've had um, to get someone that is just like a little bit more of like an athlete out there. Yep, I agree. And we're going to shift from Suggs to the first name on Eric's list. Yeah, I'm going to go John Hugley. Um, he's a big man uh, from Ohio. So yeah, another guy from uh, just like Minnesota with that. Uh, there's guys that um, kind of some markets that Florida hasn't uh, gone to a ton. Um, so he's he's kind of a big 6'8", 6'9", 220. He looks probably a little bit heavier than that, truthfully. Um, he's got a little bit of that, like, baby fat to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, works really hard. And I, I was a really big fan of his game. I, I think of all the guys I watched, um, I'm not saying he's, like, the best or my number one target from Florida, but he was certainly the guy that I enjoyed watching his film the most. Uh, just because, yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty active, uh, and, uh, but he's got really good footwork around the rim. Um, and it actually reminded me a little bit, even though their bodies are not similar whatsoever. Uh, this is not a player we're going to talk about today, but we have a lot in the past or not have in the past is Zed key. Um, another guy who's um, just has really, really good footwork on the inside, um, except where Zed key is a, a lot thinner and maybe a little bit bouncier. Um, Hugley's a little more just like strong and, 
uh, and stout. But yeah, he just brings an element uh, that Florida just really didn't have this last season of someone who you can throw the ball into um, that can kind of uh, make a post move or two and, and lay it in. And uh, he had some really nice moves to his offhand, to his left hand that were uh, really impressive for, for a 2020 kid. Like, like, I mean, these are moves that, um, you know, you wouldn't have expected any of Florida's, um, you know, big men on the roster right now to really be able to make. And, um, some stuff like that, that uh, just on the inside with his skill set that, uh, that I thought was pretty impressive. So, um, yeah, in the, in the 24-7 composite, he's a four-star. He's 152nd, so he's not, like, high-level high, high, high talent, but obviously, he's a, yeah, he's a four-star. And um, probably his athleticism is, would be a little bit of a question, um, but he's just dominated on the glass, could really finish inside, and I thought moved his feet um, pretty well. So uh, this is a guy that um, – uh, I, I'm really glad Florida's targeting as someone who I think could be kind of a, a multi-year guy from the program that I that I actually think could actually probably contribute pretty quickly if Florida needed him to. Yeah, I've seen some Caleb Wesson comparisons, the Ohio State player that mm-hmm. I think is is pretty interesting. And, and speaking of Ohio State, you know, anytime you're talking about a big prep talent from Cleveland, um, you know, you're, you're wondering if it's going to be like, he got game Spike Lee when Big State U comes to offer if, like, that's the end. But, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I don't know. There's some whispers that maybe he would leave the state. Yeah, I mean, um, just looking at his kind of what's considered to be his, his offers are, are Nebraska um, being recruited by, you know, former uh, Florida assistant Armand Gates, barely. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Nebraska, Florida, Pittsburgh, Xavier, and Ohio State. So, um, yeah, you've got to think Ohio State's would be one of the favorite, and and, and Xavier as well. You got to think they'd be uh, they'd be pretty interested. But um, yeah, I would say Florida's uh, Florida's probably in the mix, though. Um, you know, it's always tough to like t- to kind of predict um, with these guys that are um, out of state, especially um, yeah, someone like Cleveland. But um, yeah, I'll trust uh, trust the people that know a little bit more and say that yeah, Florida's right in the mix there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a uh, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people saw some of the the list of who Florida evaluated and stuff in the, in the first week. And there are people that kind of mentioned that it was super guard heavy, but we're going to shift from ugly to another uh, big, which would be uh, PJ Hall. And power forward, four star player out of South Carolina. Um, and he's going to be an SEC player. I mean, he, he hasn't released a final list as far as I know yet, but, pretty well known that the finals are really Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina. I heard Brad Burnell. One of the things that Clemson faithful are really mad about is that they're kind of late on, on hall who lives down the road basically. Um, and, and I think that can be bad when I watch PJ hall, the two things that really stand out to me are uh, positionally defensively and just the way it just how hard he plays and, and the like leadership perspective. I know that you can't really get, player that it's you see it on film eric you see that he gets under opponent's skin and he's got an edge about him a little bit of a dog about him that i i think uh sometimes you could argue florida's lacked right and i do think that kind of helps um or that kind of points towards why florida is so interested in him um just needing to kind of uh change the culture uh a a little bit in in that way where yeah florida's a pretty quiet team these last two seasons and um, and though, you know, it could get a little tiresome if you got 13 guys with that kind of mindset, um, having a few of them would be, uh, would be pretty interesting. And I think that obviously is, is part of the, well, part of the reason what makes Scotty Lewis amazing and even Trey Mann a little bit and why Florida, um, made those guys a priority was cause they had, uh, that kind of the mindset that, uh, that I think the staff wants to have. And I would say PJ Hall, 
um, brings that in the front court. And um, yeah, I, I, I would be a very big believer in PJ Hall just wherever he goes. I, I do think his skill set is, is very, very good for, um, uh, for college basketball. And I think that he would be one of my, uh, one, one of my kind of like players I'm hoping most of Florida can land. Yeah. I think fans would like his hands uh, and his, you know, he's got decent offensive polish for a player his age. It's not, um, you know, he, he would need some time with Preston Green. Uh, not that he couldn't play right away. I mean, on the contrary, I think he would because of the motor. Um, but I think he's he's really a three- or four-year player, right, that that would develop well in a strength program because he is a little thin for his, his height, um, although he doesn't necessarily play that way. And I think he's probably a five-star player if he has elite athleticism. Uh, it's something Eric and I have talked about. Like, there's a reason that you kind of get the composite rating you have. And, like, I think that that would be maybe the one big drawback with him is that I'm not sure he's the athlete his sister is, uh, his sister being a, a UF volleyball player. Yeah, and obviously one of the connections that uh, could help Florida land him, and uh, I certainly hope that helps because, uh, yeah, I'd love to have him. <laughs> so we're shifting from Hall to, to uh, Eric's next player. All right, let's do Andre Curbelo. Um, see, another point guard. Um, I would say a lot more of a true point a guard. A real point than, guard. Uh, a real point guard. Um, you know, physically just looks so much like Chris Gioza just from the start, just uh, when he's, you know, six feet tall, 155 pounds, which I'm pretty sure that's uh, what, you know, which Chris Gioza was listed at, especially early. So, um, yeah, he's just a guy who's, uh, uh, if he's from, he plays at Long Island Lutheran. Um, he's, I, I, one of the good things about him, I thought was, uh, in terms of kind of finding film was that he's played a lot for Puerto Rico in, um, in international competition. Um, so that's been, that was really nice to be able to watch him kind of in that game. And I, I kind of find too, that, uh, the, the international game, the, the spacing was a lot better in these kind of competitions he was playing in. And it kind of, uh, maybe showed him off a little bit more than, um, than in high school. But, uh, yeah, so you kind of look at his offers, St. John's, West Virginia, and then kind of some mid majors like, or, you know, like there's Dayton, but also Arkansas, Little Rocks and some things like that. And, uh, Florida, though he's, um, yeah, in the yeah, 24-7 composites, I mean, they have him at 74th, so he's a top 100 kid. Um, he, the way he gets to the rim and finishes is really impressive. Uh, just so quick and, and really just kind of like uses his quickness to get to get baskets. And I think that's something that, um, again, looking back at Chris Chioza, I don't think he always maybe did the best at just because, um, uh, yeah, he just – he wasn't actually – you know, he wasn't a player that just kept getting in the rim and getting, getting in the pain, getting in the pain and getting to the rim. And uh, Andre Curbelo kind of does, does that, especially at the high school level. And he did the FIBA competitions as well. Um, but yeah, he kind of shows some really good finishing ability uh, that you kind of need when you're that small. And he also shows a lot of passing ability, um, especially around the rim. He, uh, he can get, when he, once he gets in the paint, he kind of knows what he wants to do with it and, and can really, uh, uh, can really get a pocket passes into the, his big man and, and generate lamps that way. Um, for me, the biggest question, I guess, would be um, uh, I, he just doesn't really shoot the ball very much. Um, the ball doesn't look great coming out of his hand, at least everything I saw. Um, I didn't actually look around to see if uh, see what kind of other people's perception was of his jump shot. But from what I watched, um, it's just not a big part of his game in, in everything I saw. And when he did shoot the ball, it didn't look great. And um, yeah, that's just something that... Um, uh, would be probably the, probably a knock on his game is if, hey, if you're small, um, you can't really shoot the ball, uh, that is limiting in a lot of ways. Yeah, the scout at the Montverde Invitational where his team Long Island Lutheran was playing was to kind of peel off and, and you know, challenge him to, to take jump shots and uh, actually hit a couple. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it doesn't look great out of his hand. It's a little bit awkward. 
Uh, the other thing I think is that he can be, and, and maybe this would change. You can't. It's so hard to. Sometimes it's hard to evaluate defense at the high school level. I think it's something that a point that Eric's talked about. But but um, he can be at least at at the current level that he's at. Although that's a really good program with a really good coach. Uh, and he plays with Ed Key as as you know a guy that Eric and I both are really high on. Um, is that he can be a little bit risk prone uh, defensively? Like he, he really likes to get in the pass lanes and and go for steals and you know something you can't really do as much in college. And I would imagine that would change. But I think he's an active guy defensively that that could be you know a productive steals guy at the next level too. I mean, just seeing that uh, that he does have the West Virginia offer made me think that, yeah, like he's probably uh, uh, probably a, uh, a really good defender. Just I mean, what I saw, he looked like a really good defender. But, but yeah, just seeing a, seeing a West Virginia offer, that certainly <laughs> uh, kind of validated the fact that he's, he's probably someone who can generate some, uh, generate some turnovers. Yeah, well, yeah, and a Florida offer, too, I think uh, we, it's safe to now say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that's something that Florida really values, and and um, so yeah, I mean, I so I have a question for for you because we've talked about you know sort of the Jalen Suggs and Carvello, and I don't think that there's they're taking both. So which one do you think would be better? I mean, I I, I think just Suggs for sure. I I just think you know to see a player as small as Carvello, his his lack of a jump shot just kind of does concern me, and I, I think he could be. Um, I, I just don't know how high his ceiling would be um, versus Suggs, where I feel like his ceiling is, is very, very high. So uh, for that reason, I'd have to say Suggs, just because you yeah, have the size and athleticism versus um, yeah versus kind of Curbelo's uh, lack of it. I think makes a big difference for me and just kind of my perception. What about you? So I like the natural point guard. Like we, I, this is a, a rare disagreement. I like the natural point guard a little better, but I also don't know. That would depend on two things because I still think. Eric's right. You have to infuse athleticism into the roster. So then you really have to make sure you hit your, your athletic wing. If you take a Corbello and then you also have to be confident that Trey Mann is around for more than, you know, 20 months, I think. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I just see, um, uh, see once again, like I, I know this is like by the recruiting rankings would be a pretty, wild take but I mean like I see Quez Glover and the 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 fact that he can shoot the ball off the dribble and, and create offense and uh like there's kind of the guy that I kind of like at the point more yeah. and, and I, yeah. I find it maybe a little like so like let's say you have you've got Quez Glover who's um gonna be you know maybe he starts for Florida in, in two or three years or something um just someone who's you know can play with pace can defend um can but can you know shoot off the dribble and, and create on the perimeter. And then I see Corbello and I just say, um, well, he's got like the same speed element. Maybe he might even be faster. Um, uh, can kind of defend the same way, but he doesn't make plays on the perimeter. I just don't really see him. Uh, like he, I, maybe he's only a one-year starter as a senior um, versus Suggs where I think like, Hey, you could play him at the two. You could play like, if he's not playing at the one, um, he just kind of fits in a, a few more ways. So uh, yeah, I don't think Corbello would be a, a, a bad option there, but yeah, versus him or Suggs, I, I have to say Suggs. Yeah, and the other – I mean, you might have just talked me out of the take by bringing up Glover again because that's – yeah, and that's the other thing. You don't want to get in a situation where you – or at least I don't think Mike – I think Mike White is actively trying to avoid a situation where uh, he has that, you know, similar, similar, you know, very small undersized jitterbug guards make up the bulk of his guard play, right? Like – and and then – and I think we know that that's something White is 
prioritizing by the way that they're after Suggs, right? I think that makes more sense. So maybe, maybe you and Mike White are, are right and I'm wrong. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like once again, I just think um, I think for guards, uh, just being able to shoot off the dribble is just so important, especially small guards, and um, and that's one of the reasons why I see Quesglover, and I just cannot believe why he's not kind yeah, of yeah he's good was was not held in high regard and um yeah be, and i just again i just um uh, i just wonder like at what point do i think um curbello would be playing over glover and maybe that would happen an, another yeah. time and but also it's like do you want for would you want 40 um you know all 40 minutes of your point guards being played by six foot or, or or smaller uh smaller guards and yeah just it just it just brings you less um yeah, it just kind of brings you a little bit less versatility. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think they wouldn't take him, obviously. But I can see a situation for sure where they, they get Curbelo. But, um, yeah, I mean, again, once again, versus Suggs, I just would be uh, – the ceiling of Suggs is, is pretty enticing. You definitely have less roster versatility. And we've talked about how maybe if Chris Glover had gone to Long Island Lutheran, you know, if he goes to, <laughs> Lu- if he goes to Luai, is he, uh, is he getting his three-star rating after he signs with Florida? Uh, <laughs> probably not. Uh, we'll shift to Cade Cunningham, uh, six six five star wing. You knew we were going to talk wings, people. Um, he gave an interview where he said his favorites were Kentucky, Kansas, Florida, Virginia, and Texas. So, blue blood, blue blood, Gators, national champs, home state. And I say home state because he's from Dallas, even though he plays at Montverde. Um, he reminds me of Tobias Harris, uh, which I think is the comp at some side too, but that's what I wrote down when I watched film and then went there and started laughing. Um, <laughs> he's really strong. Um, and, but he's, but he's got a quick burst and, you know, seems to be able to penetrate pretty well. Uh, when he starts at the perimeter, I'm not sure how super athletic he is when I watched him defend live in person. Um, as a, as a coach, I didn't think he was particularly fast laterally. Uh, and I didn't think he got in really good guarding positions uh, defensively, but he does play really hard, and I think he's really smart. Um, I don't know how much thought Eric's put into Cade Cunningham at all, but uh, that's kind of my take on him is that he's a really smart player who I think can do a lot of things on the offensive side of the floor. Yeah, and I think that's um, it's kind of interesting when you look at all these all these wings that are kind of in the similar athletic mold. Uh, they're important, but uh, there's just so many of them that people describe as like, yeah, he's a good athlete, knock down the occasional jump shot. But then it's just like, hey, what do you what do you kind of do beyond that? Um, and uh, yeah, it's a show show that he has some of that kind of uh, IQ on the uh, on the offensive end is pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I'm very interested by your defensive comments as well because I think people look at these big players that are you know in the six five or six six or six seven size kind of range, um, and they just assume they're really good defenders because they look like good defenders. Um, I'm probably guilty of that too at times um, looking at these wings and just kind of assuming that they're good defenders just because they, they have the look of good defenders. And um, yeah, you can't always mistake defensive potential for defensive quality. Uh, so I guess that would be, uh, that'd be something that could keep them from being, uh, you know, could be the difference between good and great. And I mean, when you look at those offers, um, yeah, it looks like he, uh, he could very much has the chance of being great. Well, he, and he really does uh, because he's got offensive polish and he's got smarts. And I think with Cade, what's interesting is another trap that we fall into to speak to what Eric said with wings, Eric, I think is that we just assume that they're like, that they have lots of length, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. well, he's six, six, he must be long. That's not really the deal with Cade Cunningham. Like he's not like, 
you know, I think it's kind of average length. Like his body is more, I'm six, six and compact and strong. And it's part of the Tobias Harris comparison, of course, but it's also what makes him so hard to guard when he gets in the lane. Cause he's a mismatch problem that way. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and almost maybe a good thing that he's not just kind of relying on his length because there are some players like that, that are, you know, maybe six foot six and they have a six foot six wingspan. And um, in college that's still, or sorry, in high school, that still makes them uh, a lot longer than their competition. And you see just kind of the way they finish around smaller players and then they get to college and um, suddenly they're equally as long as the six foot three guys with really long arms. And um, yeah, so it's a, it's kind of good that he doesn't rely on that and has a little bit of game that isn't just predicated on, um, on being longer than his opponents if he's not actually that long. Uh, but yeah, that's a good note. Who'd you have next? Um, I'll, I'll go with a, with a long wing. Um, <laughs> Brandon, uh, Brandon Boston or BJ Boston, a player that Florida has been in for a, for a very long time. I mean, he's I, gave been a top it, t- I gave Eric my favorite. Yes, uh, and I mean, for good reason. Um, yeah, we're talking about some of these guys are not long. Um, I mean, he looks so long. Um, <laughs> you can kind of tell with his jump shot too. I mean, he shoots the ball really well and he's got like a funky release. But part of the reason it's a funky release are, is just because, like, his arms are so long. So, uh, therefore, he just has mechanics that are, like, not for mortals with normal wingspans. So, it's a little bit of a slingshot action, um, a little bit in front of his face. But uh, uh, it, it goes in, and he gets, he gets it off really, really quickly. So, I mean, you've got this guy that's six foot six with long arms, and he can really shoot the ball. And I think that that makes his – kind of his floor just kind of – uh, pretty high. Like if, if nothing else, he's um, a guy you can just absolutely knock down jump shots and, and can do it off the dribble. Um, I mean, his offers are Alabama and Duke and Kentucky and, and Auburn uh, and Florida. And it looks like Florida has had, has a good chance. And then they've really been working hard on for a long time. Um, he's from Georgia. I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia, you know, is trying to get more in the mix just with how, how they've been recruiting. Um, but yeah, I would say just a very, a very legitimate score. Um, someone who is uh, you can kind of just feature in your offense immediately. Um, and I'm sure that that's, um, yeah, that's how, uh, that's how a lot of people are looking at it. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's a guy that uh, Eric just made the key, the key point in terms of Florida's chances is that they've been working on it a really long time. Um, and, and he's a guy that, that Florida has won battles uh, for players against Kentucky now under Mike White. Uh, doing it against Duke, you know, a little bit different, you know, job, but not that much different. Um, it could be a big challenge, but I think, you know, I, th- I really think this is a guy that Florida can land, but we shouldn't be too irritated or angry if it's like Duke. That's what happens sometimes. Right. And uh, yeah, you never, you never know, like you see all these guys that keep getting kind of recruited over and, and not featured properly at, at Duke. And, you know, you know, wonder if maybe someone will finally be like, uh, maybe look at Florida and say like, Hey, they've got a you know, I can go in there and start and have um, a really good support system around me from a basketball standpoint and um, do that for my one year of college. And uh, so, yeah, maybe, maybe he does that, but um, yeah, Duke is definitely considered the favorite here. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that, but that also just, you know, Florida is actually really considered to be heavily in the mix and, um, I think that's just good for Florida to be considered heavily in the mix for a guy that, you know, Duke is also considered to be heavily in the mix for. Um, those are kind of the uh, the races for players that it's kind of good to see Florida back in, truthfully, even though it's going to probably end in them, um, you know, some disappointment from time to time. Or, or I should say, you know, disappointment um, more times than not. But it's also just good to see that they're, um, that, yeah, they're up there amongst the uh, the big names. 
So we'll switch. No, we won't switch gears. We're going to stay with wings. Uh, we'll do Dudley Blackwell's 6-6 wing out of Pembroke Pines, Florida. Uh, attends Huntington Prep now. It's his third school in three years. Some people asked me about that. And, uh, you know, he left Westminster Academy where he had won back-to-back state championships and went to Somerset because it was closer to home. Really didn't have anything to do with with character or issues of any sort and any suggestion to the contrary is, is not accurate, but um, Dudley is a guy, just an outrageous athlete. First and foremost, he is the the classic wing. That's an outrageous athlete. He's got the 42 inch vertical. Sorry, Keontae. Uh, he's got you by a half inch. Um, he's marvelous defensively when locked in. Um you know, really harassed and harangued RJ Barrett when they played head to head last year. Uh, th- that game was really close for three quarters, and uh, eventually Montverde having multiple five star centers kind of made the difference. <laughs> um, yeah. As will happen, uh, Dudley's limitations were kind of on display in that film, too, in that, you know, he can get a little passive offensively when he can't attack the basket. Uh, he's a little bit inconsistent as a shooter. And I think some of the inconsistencies as a shooter are part of, you know, the, the, we're sort of the prime is the, the reason, the primary reason that he went to Huntington is like, how can I improve the rest of my game um, to, to just be a more complete prospect? You know, he's a guy that's been involved in the USA basketball program uh, and and can can bother opponents with athleticism and, and can really defend out on the perimeter. But how do I complete things offensively? Because he's excellent at getting in the lane and getting fouled. He led Broward County, which is a very good basketball county in Florida, in free throw rate. Um, but wasn't a guy that was like, hey, you're going to s- slip off into the lane to kind of protect the paint. I'm going to bury the jump shot. Uh, he's shown his jumper a little more in some of these AAU games, Eric, which I think is encouraging. Uh, Knight Riders elite team he plays for is really good. Um, but I think this is a big year for Dudley. And I think Florida is a program that probably evaluates him. That's a longer evaluation. Like I wouldn't expect them to press him for a November commitment. He probably would be like a December or later guy. Is he like a four year guy in your mind? Uh, I don't know if he knows he is yet, <laughs> but I think, you know, if, 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 if Dud is listening, uh, you know, he doesn't have to be. Um, and I think, but, but his offers are interesting. You know, you got some really high Virginia uh, is, is a program that really wants him. And I think it speaks to what he's good at. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, what he's, what he's already really good at is, is defense, Florida, Iowa state, you know, Iowa State is a team that really loves athletic wings. Um, and so, you know, Oklahoma State is another program that's in for him. But I really think it's kind of a Florida-Virginia, Oklahoma State-Iowa State battle. I know Florida Gulf Coast, I spoke to their uh, a member of their staff, and they seem to think they have a chance for him. He played with Zachary Scott at Westminster. And, you know, anyway, this is a lot of detail for, for people about a guy. But, but he targets. Um it's interesting that Florida has looked at other wings first in this contact period. To me, it kind of suggests that maybe, you know, they are in wait and see, which is kind of why I hinted at that. 
yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting player. And um, I think too, just um, w- again, when we look at all these wings that Florida is kind of after uh, taking a guy that might be a three or four, just kind of on the, kind of on the cusp of being better. It would be like, that's kind of how I see Dudley Blackwell from what I've seen. Yep. Um, and I mean, that's kind of how you like, you know, those are the players that are so dominant in college basketball are those guys that are like, you know, after their second year, they're like, Oh, like he's probably going to come back, but like might have some interest. And then they come back. And then as a junior, they have a really good year. And it's kind of like 50, 50, whether they're coming back. I mean, that's the kind of guy I see. I see Dudley Blackwell as. So I, I mean, that'd be someone I'd be pretty interested in having. And uh, someone like that, again, like I think he kids uh, can kind of contribute right away and also just has, has a ceiling that's, that's really high. So um, it's good to have your uh, your insight. That's uh, that's far past what I have. Uh, his offers are very interesting for sure, and uh, yeah, that'll be one that'll be interesting to watch because, like you said, I I don't think that decision is going to come right away. Um, which is also just really interesting about um, recruiting now versus recruiting. I mean, even like five years ago. Um, just I just pulled it up now just because I was interested. I didn't actually know. Um, yeah, eighty six in the twenty four seven composite. I mean, these like top one hundred guys like that, like four star in the like you know, 75 to hundred range. I mean, it used to be that, I mean, they were committing so far in advance guys that it was kind of only the guys that were the high five stars that would be like really waiting it out to the end to see what happened. And now, uh, yeah, now you're seeing guys like Dudley Blackwell kind of waiting it out. And I think uh, teams are kind of interested in doing the same as well. So uh, that would be one I, I, I definitely think for people to watch uh, maybe a little bit more closely than even some of the other names that we've, uh, we've talked about so far. Yeah. And he's interesting because he, he dropped from, you know, the, the low sixties to 86. And I think some of it was that he went to Somerset, which is traditionally a pretty powerful program. And their other two division one prospects got hurt. They had a, you know, a foot injury that basically took a player out for a year and another guy that got sick and, um, was just kind of Chase Johnson, unable to get back healthy. And so it was just a really frustrating season for them because of the schedule that they played. And and I think, you know, so that asked a lot of Dudley and, and maybe, you know, that's where some of this weird criticism about like his motor or his attitude comes from. Cause I don't, I haven't heard any of that or, or seen any of it personally. Bring us home, Eric. Yeah. So I'm going to go with my favorite player. Um, and that's Kareem Maine. And that is a name that I'm guessing that a lot of you people have not heard. And that is because he is not on ESPN or 24-7's recruiting. Um, I am telling you, he is a five-star player. And I'm watching him next to some of the top 10 players that I was looking at that Florida's offered. And I, I think he's right in that conversation. Um, so he plays – so he's from – he's Canadian. He plays in Montreal at a public school. Um, he So he's not really in the spotlight. And that is the reason why – you know, ESPN doesn't rank high school players that are outside of – um, the United States. So a lot of these Canadians that play in Canada or not all, all of the Canadians that play in Canada are missed by them. Um, and yeah, 24 seven hasn't had much of a chance to see them too, but he plays for Canada elite in the Under Armour association. And um, he's just absolutely cooking guys this past weekend. And he got like 25 offers over the weekend. Um, some of the team, you know, kind of including Florida, um, but yeah, Kansas is in on him, Texas, um, Xavier, Wake Forest, uh, Maryland. Um, he's got big time offers and more are going to come. And um, uh, what this reminds me a ton of, um, in a little bit of his game, but also the situation just for people to kind of be able to put a little bit of a, a face to it, I guess, is uh, this is exactly what happened with Lugens Dort at Arizona State, where he wasn't ranked by anyone just because he played in Montreal. He's actually from Montreal as well. Um, so for that reason, he wasn't ranked by ESPN. He wasn't looked at by um, he wasn't looked at until kind of his last um, just just like this for 24 seven. 
Um, and, uh, for, and, you know, he had, you committed to Arizona state and then, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, he must be pretty good. Um, but then he goes in and, you know, now Lou Gensdorf's probably going to the NBA draft. So, um, I, I see that a lot with, um, um, with Maine just because, yeah, he's kind of, he's pretty under the radar right now, um, playing in Montreal. But, uh, yeah, if you watch him play, like I, like I'm telling you, if you go look at his film and you don't know the names, um, you don't know what the star ranking is. I mean, you might think this guy's better than, <laughs> you know, better than Brandon Boston, better than Joshua Christopher, another top 10 guy I was looking at that we might get to in another podcast. Um, what makes him so special is just his ability to shoot off the dribble and, 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 and make plays off the dribble. Um, in addition to a guy that can really, really powerfully finish at the rim. He's 6'5", 195. Um, again, a little bit like Lou Dort, where he is, he's not quite as stocky as that, but um, he can finish really powerfully and finishes really well around the rim. Um, and that's really impressive. He's got some really good highlights from there. Um, but what just like, his jump shot, especially shooting off the dribble, is just as good as anyone I've seen in, in high school basketball. And I just think that that, um, that ability is what um, truly makes takes you from being like a good score to just like an elite score. And it's just he's just one of those players that I think if you just looked at his highlights dunking over guys, you'd be like, okay, that guy's really interesting. And if you just saw highlights of him um, breaking guys down off the dribble and, and pulling up, um, you'd be like, okay, that guy is elite, and he's got both of those. So I just see him as someone who's going to score a ton uh, in college, and, and I really think when he finally gets ranked, um, he's not sneaking in as like a three star or a, even a four star. Like I, I think he's going to be a five star, and I would. Um, I don't even really think that takes hot. I think if anyone wants to go <laughs> find film of him, I, I don't actually think a lot of people would disagree with me. I am a big fan, so I'm, I'm curious if you had the chance to look at him at all. I did because I asked, um, you know, so, so this is a little Florida basketball hour, you know, insider action, but I asked, uh, I, you know, I asked an AAU coach that, that had seen him um, and, and had the chance to kind of evaluate some of the the film last week uh, before I could even look at it. You know, I emailed basically people who I knew. And the reason I did that was because Florida went and saw him play twice. Um, So, just like Suggs, like it's a guy that the Gators were like, ah, we're going to go watch this guy a second time in the first contact weekend. Kind of gives you an idea of, of what the Florida coaches saw. And, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the feedback I got was just that, you know, this is one of those guys that could just bury you um, by making shots. And so uh, I think, you know, we – Florida fans got in this idea. They got this idea in their head really when, when Kayvon Allen scored like 30 points against FSU as a freshman. Uh, but, but even later, um, because of the Sweet 16 performance at Wisconsin and a couple of his sophomore year performances, that that was Kayvon Allen. And I hope we beat that horse to death um, <laughs> on the podcast this year, Eric, that that wasn't Kayvon Allen. Kareem mm. Mann kind of is that. Like, he's just somebody that could just shoot you out of a game. Yeah, just to be able to uh... – uh, I, I, again, I, I hope people have a chance to just go look at some of his highlights. Uh, uh, and just someone who can, um, yeah, who can looks as good shooting off the dribble as he does catch and shooting. And that's really tough and you don't see that often. Um, and yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of played as a point guard um, partially because um, yeah, he's, he's just that good for his Canada league team in high school. He plays point <laughs> guard just because yeah, he plays in a, he plays in a public league. That's not very good. Just truthfully. Um, but uh, I, I would, I'd be interested to see if he has a chance to go elsewhere for, for next year. Um, it's kind of a little more difficult for the uh, for the kids from the province of Quebec in uh, in Canada, but that's uh, for a longer story. Um, but 
yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm interested to see what happens, but just to see him on the Under Armour circuit, I mean, like if there's any question about the fact, like if he can do it against high level competition, um, yeah, I, uh, I think he kind of just silenced it just, uh, at the Under Armour circuit, but, um, yeah, I, I'm just, uh, I'm a little interested to see what position he would play. Um, he's six foot five. I, I, cause he's someone who I, I think just does so much off the dribble. Maybe you, uh, you do want him to be just like a scoring guard. Um, but he's also someone that, yeah, you could just have in the backcourt with someone who's, um, maybe more of a true guard and, I mean, you look at the way that, you know, maybe Quez Glover can, has with the way that he scored the ball in high school. You see how um, Kareem Hain can, Main can do with um, he, at more length, uh, just something like that. Like that could be a really good backcourt of the future. Um, yeah. I, although I think that Main might be there for maybe I shouldn't say too much of the future because I do think he might be one and done. I just see um, I see so much wow. of the Lugens Dort. Well, I just see so much of the Lugens Dort situation with him. And I think he's better than Lou Dort. The only thing Lou Dort has is, is just more power. So, um, yeah. And like I said, I, I don't even, you know, to see Lugens Dort play in the identical league um, against the identical competition and to see what he accomplished, um, to then see uh, Kareem Maine, I, 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 think, I think Maine's better. So, um, yeah, that might be, uh, I might be the person most high on Maine that there is on this planet. So uh, I'm very interested to see how his kind of recruitment goes. And um, just my last note, just because like, I mean, he's from Montreal. He's a really late riser um, just because of where he played. He didn't have a lot of eyeballs on him, um, but he's got, you know, like Kansas and Texas and Florida offers and probably more to come. So uh, just to try to peg his recruitment is a little different, difficult right now. Um, and yeah, I will say, you know, I, I think Florida would be in it. Obviously them going to um, see him a couple of times. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's, it seems pretty open-ended because, and that's what you kind of get from these, from these guys that um, uh, these Canadian kids uh, that that do just you know play in Canada, um, don't have the geographic ties to you know anywhere in in, in any American school, and uh, are late risers. Uh, they're they can kind of you know once again that's how you know a kid from Montreal, um, you know Eastern Canada goes to Arizona State and Lou Dort. Just you know there's when they don't have geographic ties, they can kind of it's pretty tough to peg their recruitment on one particular area. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Florida on him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff there. So that's, uh, that's kind of our, that's what we had planned for you guys uh, this week. We are going to keep, you know, if, if Florida gets, there's a couple more guys we, we need to talk about Eric, right? Like DJ Gordon, I think is one that the Florida sent, sent somebody to see the first weekend. Uh, there's a couple other players that, that we're going to dive into, but, but we'll give you brief updates. We just kind of wanted to give you an idea of what Florida's board really looks like. And I think those eight players are, are pretty high on it. Yeah, I think so. I think we nailed some of the, uh, uh, yeah, some of the ones that are at the top of their board. Um, but I, I was going to say, do you want to kind of claim who you would would say right now their top targets are, or, or who you think? Yeah, that let's most close. That's a good idea. Let's close with that. So, you know, I'll I'll go first. I think I think right now, um, just because they saw Maine twice, I really feel like he might have crept into that list. And so, and and I would say this. Like I think if you signed Suggs, Maine, and PJ Hall, that's an incredible class, and that would yeah. be like that would be my current top three. I, I was gonna say the same. Um, I, I really don't know with Maine, but I was gonna say Suggs and, and Hall. Um, Hall's probably the one I guess I would feel the best about if you had to, um, if I had to make a make a claim. Um, but yeah, man, if it's if it's Hugs or Suggs, um, Hall and and Maine, that's incredible, and especially looking at. Um, just looking at the fact that, yeah, in the 2019 class, there is 
Um, there's going to be some four-year players, you know, probably, you know, Jatobo is probably a four-year player or, or something like that. And, and with Quez Glover in the backcourt and uh, yeah, I think that it would kind of compliment if they got, um, could get some, uh, some more talented guys with a little more length in, um, yeah, in a Suggs and, uh, and a main and um, yeah, PJ Hall just brings them the scoring that I think they really need. Florida does have a lot of bigs on the roster. I think that, uh, I, I think that Hall's going to kind of projects to me to someone who I think can score a little bit more on the inside and, um, yeah, I think that would, uh, that'd be kind of my three. And I also, uh, yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be incredibly excited with that group. Yeah. And I mean, look, I think Florida very much still in it for Cade Cunningham, very much still in it for BJ Boston. Uh, I think Florida is still very much interested in Dudley Blackwell, who I think is a guy that if he ended up in the class, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. I just think Dudley has some things to prove at Huntington prep, but he got, we, we should add on that end that he, he got off to a really good start by, by being, I think, and not just me, because I'm a little biased, but I think there are, there are national writers who felt that on a team with Scotty Barnes, Musa Diabate, other pretty good players, Knight Riders elite, uh, you know, Blackwell was maybe the best player in that first AAU competition uh, at the, the, the Nike elite. So I think, um, you know, making progress, a guy that kind of rises his game to the level of his competition, which is dangerous at 18, but you know, I think he's in, he's in there and, and with those other guys. And that's kind of why we included those, those eight. Yeah. And I mean, one thing I was just thinking about as you were talking, just the fact that obviously, you know, Dudley Blackwell being a Florida kid, but, uh, but yeah, in our, in our kind right. of favorites of, of Hall and Suggs and Maine, there's zero Florida kids. And that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. And, and not that I think there's a problem with that, but um, just is interesting to see that Florida's in it on a lot of these kids that are out from out of state. And uh um, yeah, that's really interesting and, and just shows kind of, the, yeah, once again, the level they're recruiting at. Yep. And we will talk about a couple in-state kids, like we said on the next show, um, that they, that they are looking at, you know, other than, other than Dudley Blackwell. Uh, but, but I hope you enjoyed this one and we will be back soon. Um, hopefully with more news about Kerry Blackshire Jr., but, but maybe not. <laughs> I think we'll give an update regardless. That's uh, <laughs> I think that's a thing now. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody.